Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We keep losing the radio. What's it look like? A radio? What? Much so big with numbers, lots of knobs. What do you want to discuss now? We're going to say a few things, and then you'll say a few things, and then we'll be done. Upfront with Chris Sidorak. Well, I mean, yeah, it's unanimous on council, but I also know that we got calls. Uh, five cents might not seem like a lot to some people, uh, but we do have elderly uh, that, that are on fixed incomes, uh, and they're buying bags, and they're buying food at Stop and Shop and supermarkets, things like that. Uh, they have concerns, so I'm going to look and see what the implications potentially would be on seniors. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, people say it's only five cents on a bag. Yeah, but we're, we're nickel and diming our seniors. Uh, it's five cents here, it's five cents there. Utilities go up. Start your week off right, upfront with Chris Sidorek. Call 617-254-1030 or toll-free 888-929-1030. The News Watch never stops. WBZ News Radio 1030. Second hour of Upfront. I am your host, Chris Sidorek. I'm also the executive producer of Nightside with Dan Ray. You can catch Dan here on BZ every Monday through Friday, 8 to midnight. We are shifting gears this hour, and what you heard there was Mayor Marty Walsh talking about the Boston City Council vote to pass the plastic bag ban. Uh, we are going to dive into that policy and more, and we are joined in studio this hour by Kirsty Petchy. Kirsty, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you very much for having me, Chris. So you are the founder of the Zero Waste Project uh, and work with the Conservation Law Foundation. That's right. right. Uh, I'm an attorney at the Conservation Law Foundation. Excellent. Mm-hmm. So uh, talk a little bit about uh, you're an environmental attorney. I'm always kind of curious with people who have these kinds of specialties. Did you always know getting into law that you wanted to do environmental law, or was that something you kind of discovered as you went along? Uh, I knew when I was a kid, when I was in high school, that I wanted to be an environmental attorney. My idea of an environmental attorney as a high school kid was like, I'm going to go to court, and I'm going to take these companies down, and I'm going to protect people, and I'm going to be awesome. You know, that is you know, not exactly how the real world works. And the stuff that I love to do, it turns out um, litigation is a part of it. But what I really like to do is work with the state, work with the DEP, work with municipalities, work with citizen groups, uh, work with people to find solutions so that we can do things better. So that's kind of my favorite thing to do. Um, and I got into waste because not only was I interested in recycling, when I was a kid, we had a really good recycling program that my parents helped set up. Um, my mother is really responsible for all this because she always, you know, she, she just looked at things at the system and said, this doesn't make sense. We're wasting all this stuff. So she helped set up the, the Sturbridge recycling system. And as a result, I got passionate about that, um, and was aware of that, but I never knew that I'd actually be doing solid waste work, zero waste work as an attorney. That was something I couldn't have predicted. So let's talk a little bit about the Zero Waste Project, what it's all about, and then we'll get into the bag ban specifically. Sure. Um, what is the Zero Waste Project trying to accomplish? So what we're trying to accomplish, um, are cha- we're really trying to reimagine and, and change our whole system of using of solid waste. Um, first of all, to put pressure on the most dangerous facilities, because all waste facilities, and I mean Ash landfills, municipal solid waste landfills, and incinerators are really dangerous. 
So we're picking the worst of those, the most dangerous of those, and trying to get them closed. And then the other thing that we're doing is, you know, you can't just shake your fist at these problems. You have to have a solution. And zero waste programs are of a solution. And what that means is reducing, reusing, recycling, composting, not only at home, but also businesses, and then also setting up systems throughout our state and region so that we can actually do that. And if you don't have those systems in place, you can't recycle if you live in an apartment building that doesn't have recycling. So it's really important to have those those systems in place. So when you start talking about shutting down landfills and, mm-hmm. and things like that, uh, obviously one of the uh, common responses is, well, where are we going to put our trash? That That is my the question I get all the time and the and the comment I get from people who are pushing back against this is, oh, it's got to go somewhere. It's got to go somewhere. Um, actually, when you wait, look at our waste stream, first of all, uh, about 80% of it is recyclable or compostable. So a lot of that can go somewhere that's not a landfill or incinerator. And that's stuff that's ending up in... That's, yeah, right. In uh, fact, right now in Massachusetts, we have what's called a waistband system. And so in Massachusetts, we're producing about five and a half million tons of waste a year. It's a lot of waste. Yeah. Okay. It's a big problem. And it's a big problem because of how dangerous the landfills and incinerators are, which I can get into later. Um, but our waistbands right now require that our bottles, our cans, our paper, our cardboard, our yard waste, our large-scale food producers, that all that stuff not go into incinerators or landfills. It's not allowed to. That's, those are the regulations that stand right now. So 40% of what's going into, the, into that waste system, into landfills and incinerators, more than 2 million tons a year, isn't allowed to go into that system. So we need to enforce that first. And then there are other regulations we can put in place. So how does that happen? Well, at the thing I would love to see, like if you said to me, Kirsty, you're queen of Massachusetts, right? <laughs> and you get to do whatever you want tomorrow. The first thing that I would do is hire six people at the Mass DEP to be dedicated waistband inspectors. From talking to people at the DEP, that's what they need. And the DEP keeps getting cut and cut and cut, so they don't have those people on the ground. Um, we only have about 19 when you, uh, facilities, landfills, and we have 19 ash landfills and municipal solid waste landfills, and then we have seven incinerators. So if you have people at those facilities regularly just ticketing those loads, right then and there we would reduce our waste by 40%. Does anyone ever get written up or, or ticketed for They do. They do. And ma- yeah, because what's happened is as staff got cut, the other people at the Mass DEP who work really hard and care a lot about this, they do this as part of their job. Like they do it on top of it. But we need people who just do this. And we used to have some people who just did this, but then they moved on to other jobs. A couple of years ago, when Governor Baker took over, 100 people retired from Mass DEP and they've only replaced 35. Like, you know, DEP's been being cut for 30 years now. So as a result, that's our first problem. What we have in place is not getting enforced. And all that stuff's not supposed to be in the waste stream right now. So this is probably a stupid question, but zero waste project, is the actual goal to produce zero waste as a city or a state? Well, that's a really good question, I think, actually, because I think the, the term zero waste can sometimes turn people off because they think that's impossible. Right. But it's the same as any set of goals. If you say you want zero accidents on the worksite, you know, there might be some accidents on the worksite, but most of this is really preventable. As I said, um, 80% is recyclable or compostable. Um, that's that's even without the reduction that comes from a lot of different types of systems. So, for instance, pay-as-you-throw systems or bag bands, 
That type of system works really well at reducing the waste up front. And now I've given you your lead to go into bag Which is beautiful. And you also <laughs> use the title of the show up front. So <laughs> we actually... <laughs> ding, ding, Perfect. Ding. <laughs> we actually have to take a quick break, but we are going to get right into uh, the plastic bag ban that was passed unanimously by the Boston City Council. Uh, Boston Mayor Marty Walsh is now reviewing that. Uh, we will see what happens there. But if you have some thoughts or some questions about the plastic bag ban, are you okay paying a little extra to make sure that the bags are recyclable? And we'll get into the details of what it all means. Uh, feel free to jump on board. 617-254-1030-888-929-1030. We'll step away for a quick minute and be right back with more Upfront on WBZ News Radio 1030. Upfront with Chris Sidorek. Call 617-254-1030 or 888-929-1030 on WBZ News Radio 1030. Getting you ready for the week ahead. Up front with Chris Hitterick. Add your voice to the mix. Call 617-254-1030 and join the conversation on WBZ News Radio 1030. You're listening to Upfront. I'm your host, Chris Sidorick. We are talking with Kirsty Petchy. She's an attorney with the Conservation Law Foundation and founder of the Zero Waste Project. And we're going to talk about the Boston plastic bag ban. So uh, this ordinance passed the city council unanimously. Uh, what does the bag ban actually say? What's it mean for people in the Boston area? What the bag ban means for people in the Boston area is that instead of automatically getting a plastic bag every time you buy groceries or you know at stores in Boston, instead you're going to have the option of bringing your own bag which is not going to cost you a cent because you're going to have that bag and, you know, use it. So those would be or, kind of those canvas yeah, bags. Or it of, could be that. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know about you. I found that my closet is actually filled with those suckers because everybody is giving them away, you know, a swag. You know, I, I get bags like that all the time. So some of them are heavy-duty plastic that I, I wash in the washing machine. Some of them are canvas like you're talking about. Some of them are more lightweight. It just depends on the bag. Um, or you'll have the option of paying at least five cents, could be more, for a paper or more heavy-duty plastic bag. Now, it's funny because that has been discussed by some as a cost to consumers. And actually, that's going to save everybody money. And that's what I think is funny about this, is that people look at this and say, oh, you know, this is a problem. It's going to save money for the people of Boston, um, especially, because, first of all, it's over $14 million that these Boston businesses are spending on bags right now every year. Okay, that's a lot of money. So those businesses, first off, are going to save that money. And I'm thinking especially about small businesses and how good that will be for them. Um, the second thing is that right now, everybody who lives in Boston is paying their taxes. And the people that are hired by the city of Boston spend a lot of their time picking up these bags. Um, the bags also muck up the recycling system. So the recycling machinery that services the Boston city's recycling is now breaking down, um, having plastic bags in the in the recyclables all the time, and they're just not recyclable in the main machinery. So this is going to be even just those two elements of it are going to be a cost savings. Now, is when you get to the environmental side of it, there are even bigger payoffs, of course. All right, so let's start with the the cost saving measures yeah. there because uh, it, it sounds great, definitely, mm -hmm. um, but I, I think the common response or criticism would be, okay, so maybe the businesses are paying for bags now. Yeah. Uh, if they're going to start charging me five cents a bag, they're not going to necessarily lower prices on milk or whatever items in their store just because I'm now chipping in for the bag. So, And you heard Boston Mayor Marty Walsh talking in the open about 
there's some concern with seniors if they're going grocery mm-hmm. shopping. You know, every every cent counts basically, right. and so there is somewhat of an upfront cost for consumers in terms of if you go to the store and you don't have a bag, you might be out an extra fifty cents. Right. Well, the, what um, this is something that's happened not only in Massachusetts but in other parts of the world too, like California and other places. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In Massachusetts, this passed in fifty-nine other municipalities before it passed in Boston. And what I think is great about that is it was a test run. Right? We figured a lot of these problems out. Um, many of these communities were very concerned about exactly what we we're talking about. And what one of the things that they did, and I hope that we do this over the next year, and I think we will um, because it's already being discussed, is have drives so people like me who happen to have, who've been hoarding these bags for years and have these extra bags, can have drives so lower income people and older people can use those bags. Because you're absolutely right. You don't want people to be burdened by this. Um, and, and I think that if that is done, and also I think a lot of businesses, especially knowing this is coming because we have a nice long drawn out timeline, are going to do exactly what I said earlier, print their names on some of these bags, um, get them out there, get people to their store, uh, you know. It's not that hard to get a free, uh, used, ba- you know, uh, reusable bag or a T-shirt in this country in this day. So, you know, I'm hopeful that that's how we handle that problem, so that people are not burdened by that. So, uh, part of I think the response, there, some of the critis- the critical response is that we have so much trash that we're dealing with. What's the big deal with plastic bags? Is that really going to make a difference? Yeah, plastic bags do make a big difference. Now, this is one piece of the puzzle, right? There's a waste problem generally. This is just one piece. This doesn't solve all our waste problems, but it is a big problem because, as I said earlier, these plastic bags, they might be recyclable in a lab. They're not really recyclable in the real world. It just doesn't work. Um, They don't get collected, first of all, uh, and also they don't process well. When you're recycling plastic, really number one plastic, number two plastic, and sometimes number five plastic get recycled. Filmy plastics, like bags, they, they're not truly recyclable. So as a result, it does, it's just, what I mean by that is it's not cost effective for someone to um, gather them all up and process them and make them into something else you can sell. It just doesn't work out that way in the real, real world. So as a result of that, only uh, 1% to 5% of these filmy black bags are getting um, recycled. Another thing that's a problem with this is plastic doesn't go away. Plastic doesn't rot the way that textiles or cardboard or food does. What plastic does is just break into tiny plastic pieces. So what that means is all those tiny plastic pieces are in us eventually. Because, for instance, 20% of our fish have tiny plastic pieces in them now. And that's really gross. Um, when I think about that, you know, it's just, yeah. it, it's really gross. Um, and that's true throughout our environment and throughout the system. All of this plastic is not only creating litter, not only an eyesore, but also and costing the city money because they have to pick it up. But there's a lot of it that's missed and that ends up in our environment and breaks down into these tiny pieces and basically never goes away. 
So the policy that passed, they there will be a charge of at least five cents mm-hmm. for a plastic bag. Mm-hmm. Is that money designated to go anywhere? And then I know there's also kind of enforcement fines that can happen if businesses aren't following this. Is there is there anything that kind of funnels that money towards environmental concerns? Um, I don't think that that's been figured out yet. And I actually would have to double check that. Um, I do know that what's happening right now in Boston that's really exciting, and I hope that this I hope that there'll be um, an effort to actually do that. Um, but the but what's happening right now in Boston that's really exciting is that Boston has committed to a zero waste planning process. Um, lawyers like me love planning process, so it's kind <laughs> of obnoxious, you know. It's like, oh, plans. I don't want another plan. But this is a plan that's really great because they've hired one of the best waste experts in the country, Amy Perlmutter, and she's assembled a, a national team of people, including like Ruth Abbey and. Um, Gary List. And these are all people that if you're a waste nerd like me, you're like, oh, my God. But everybody else I know is like, who the hell is Amy Pearl? <laughs> but trust me, Amy Perlmutter is the bomb. Ruth Abbey, Gary List are the bomb. And they are all working together to set up this plan. And not only that, but the government of the city of Boston is set, has set up, um, they've designated uh, business experts and then also residential experts who are experts not in waste, but in Boston. And they're going to start meetings on January 4th. That's the first meeting. So this next year, we're going to put a ton of time into figuring out how best to save money in Boston, where there's a lot of money to be saved through diversion, recycling, reducing our waste, and then also um, how to make that plan actually enforceable. So I think the bag ban is going to fold into that really beautifully. Yeah, I I think that can be kind of the concern here in Massachusetts. There's a a bit of a narrative that basically any chance to get into your pockets, they will. Well, and yeah. so that that's more money that goes kind of into the political machine. Right. Well, it's, what it's I think, kind of the outside yeah, concern. what I think is really cool is that when we're talking about waste, if, if you don't care about the environment, if you don't see the link between public health and, because I do environmental work because I care about the people that I love. I care about the people around me. I care about how the environment is affecting people's health. That's where I come from. Right. So, um, if you're not into that and you're not or and you don't happen to be an outdoorsy person or none of that is really your thing, that's okay. You should still totally be into my work <laughs> because um, I it, my work saves crap tons of money for people. Municipalities right now, the city of Boston, for instance, has is paying um, sixty bucks a ton to dispose of 190,000 tons of waste a year at three different incinerators. Wow. okay? 80% of what's going into those incinerators are compostable or recyclable materials according to their 2016 reports, okay? That's millions Staggering, of dollars, yeah. right? That's a lot. That's millions of dollars. Recycling costs half of what those tipping fees cost. Now, this isn't including driving this stuff around, okay? I'm not talking about transport. That, that all kind of evens out between recycling and, and, and disposal. But think about if we pay half for half of that, how much the city of Boston would cut. And now that doesn't include business recycling, right? right. A lot of businesses and institutions in Boston aren't doing this yet. Some of them are trying, just some, some of them just have not gotten there. If we improve this for them and they renegotiate their contracts so that they only get their trash picked up once a week or so that they have smaller dumpsters so most of it's going into cardboard recycling, they can save a lot of money. 617-254-1030 is the number. We'll go to the phones. Bob in Cambridge, you're up first this hour. Welcome to the show. Bob, what's on your mind tonight? Yeah, well, okay. Uh, Cambridge, uh, we have uh, plastic bag recycling. Or, you know, you, you can't, uh, you got to pay if you want to buy a plastic bag. Yep. And so you can bring the plastic bags back and put them in a recycling bin. 
um, and that's pretty common in a lot of stores, at least the grocery stores. And don't they um, don't they re re melt that resin down and reuse it in some capacity? Yeah, so that's part of what you're talking about, Kirsty, is that uh, if you're using a plastic bag under this this new policy, that it would have to be a more recyclable plastic bag than right, what we're right. used to. Yeah, and and I think you know again. Here's the thing about recycling. It gets very complicated very, very quickly. So there are usually programs that are recycling the most hard to recycle stuff, right? Okay. So that pla those bags might be getting recycled. Well, can I ask you a question about that? Yeah. I mean, most of these plastic bags, you, these ubiquitous plastic bags in grocery stores and so forth, aren't those, I thought those were uh, a... You know, I have to get technical, but a low-density polyethylene resin that could just be melded and reused. Well, here's the thing: it it becomes there's there's a point where, unfortunately, if it's the least bit dirty, if um, it's mixed with other things, if there's not enough of it um, regularly at a, at a certain load, if for some reason the economics don't work at a certain point, it doesn't necessarily get recycled. Now, I just want to say because. I know when I talk about plastics recycling that a lot of folks start saying, well, I'm not going to bother to bring them back to the store or I'm not going to bother to put stuff in my recycling tote. Please recycle exactly as you're instructed to do as often as you can, as much as you can. So what but, happens, you know, like the plastic bags I bring back and, and, to, and put in the recycling bin like in the star mm -hmm. or something, what you're saying, I mean, what's the percentage of those plastic bag that people bring back and stuff in that box, what's the percentage of that plastic that actually gets remelded and reused? You I don't I, I don't know that answer because as I said, I know I know that of all the plastic bags, a lot of them don't end up at that in those facilities. So it's good that you're bringing it back. Well, but I also know that bad. sometimes the stuff you're bringing back doesn't necessarily get recycled as I would define recycling, really making it into another bag, for instance. Like, so, for instance, I know that the recycling center I use takes filmy plastic, but that filmy plastic ends up in the incinerator because of the way the costs work out. So I'm but, not but saying... So he's in his, Cambridge, where they, they, they move to the yeah. more recyclable ones, I would Oh, so, if you're, so you're saying that you bring a heavier bag back? Well, no, I mean, just the, the, you know, the standard, the, the ubiquitous plastic bags, uh, you know, you collect them, if you have them around and bring them back and put them in this recycling box in the store, uh, I just assume those were remelded and, re and that resin was reused in some capacity. But it, and it may be, and it may be. I would say for any recycling or composting program you, you work with, first of all, as I said, you want to bring it back clean, you want to bring as much as you can, and you want to bring exactly right. what they've asked for because they may be doing a great job and be able to recycle it, in which case that's fantastic. But... My point is, many times, a lot of the stuff that's being collected, and this is what we've seen with the problem with China, right? A lot of the stuff that's getting collected isn't of a high enough quality or, or uniform, if it's all one kind of plastic, for, for instance, or whatever. So it doesn't necessarily get recycled if it's collected. Now, a lot of it's just not getting collected, too. So, so we got i got to stop you there because we got to take a quick break. Bob, thank you for the call. Do appreciate it. 617-254-1030 uh, is the number. Back with more up front on WBZ News Radio 1030. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. Hold on to your butts. 
Who likes good news? Let's talk about that. You want to have a dialogue? Let's have a dialogue. Wrapping up one week and looking ahead to the next. Listen up when you know it's time for the show. You'll go with the flow. BT Radio. Shop never fun. You might even confront. So move from the back and get up front. Get up front. Up front with Chris Sidorick. Get up, get up, get up front. The News Watch never stops on WBZ News Radio 1030. You're listening to Upfront. I'm your host, Chris Siderick. We are talking with Kirsty Petchy. She's a, an attorney with the Conservation Law Foundation, founder of the Zero Waste Project. And we are talking specifically about the Boston bag ban. Uh, the city council voted unanimously to ban plastic bags uh, from from stores in the city of Boston. And uh, it, it's part of an, a growing trend uh, that we've seen. You mentioned that there are a number of other municipalities around the state uh, and the country that have adopted a policy like this. We just had a call from Cambridge. It's one of the places that is... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Has put a bag ban into effect. Uh, does it work now that we've seen it in other places? Does it actually reduce trash and, and encourage people not to use those those plastic bags? Yeah, it really does work. Um, I I was actually you know looking for specifics to um, to cite, and a couple of different cities have actually got you know they they looked at the percentage of their trash that was plastic bags that they were picking up and the litter that they were picking up in the in the streets, and I I think it was L.A. It was half as much was plastic bags after a year of doing it. So. That's significant. You know, when you're talking about tens of thousands of bags that are being picked up every year, that's really great to have that immediately decrease. Have you uh, heard reactions from many of the towns in Massachusetts that have put either this or the I think the other one that's kind of similar is the, the plastic bottle ban? Right, right. Well, I think that the plastic bottle ban is a little bit different because the plastic bottles are truly recyclable, you know, in a different w- way, and they get recycled at a much higher numbers. Gotcha. Um, and also the bags, there's an instant... I know um, there's an instant uh, replacement that works just as well. When I was a kid, we didn't have these bags, right? And we were all fine. And so people still look at it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, obviously, one of the concerns is that it is a cost for business, but you say that that is not necessarily something that that should deter people from programs like this. No, I think that um, we have to look at the. You have to look at the deeper cost. You have to look at the cost. Um, you know, for the taxpayer who's paying to have their streets picked up for the recycling system that you have in place and for also how much you're paying per ton of waste, as I said. Um, One of the things that's really important to understand about the waste system, it's very easy to say, oh, it's dangerous. It's really dangerous. And by that, I mean that um, all landfills leak. That's just the way. I don't know if you want to go into that for a minute. Sure. Okay. So, so, um, 
picture a municipal solid waste landfill. First of all, you've got to understand what municipal solid waste is. Municipal solid waste is anything that gets thrown around, but thrown away by a household or a business or an institution. So the nastiest things you can imagine and remember that you've ever thrown away, they're in your landfill or an incinerator. So what that means is that all of the dangerous chemicals that we're finding are, are really a problem. Um, volatile organic, organic compounds, heavy metals, all these new, new PFOAs, the different things that are anti-flammables and cushions and stuff. All of that is in your, you know, pharmaceuticals, you name it. Whatever you can think of is in your waste. So it's that's 85,000 different chemicals in the United States. Um, and what happens is a, a landfill is constructed, a new landfill is constructed by digging a hole in the ground, putting down a plastic liner system, and then you start burying waste and creating this. I always like to call it, my, my kids hate this, but I like to call it a waste tiramisu because you like put a layer of waste, you put some pipes to collect gas, you put some pipes to collect leachate, and then you put some cover material, and then you do the same thing. And these cells, these landfills- you soak cells, it all in rum. soak it all in leachate. No, <laughs> leachate. See? Oh my God, Chris, you totally get this. So uh, this whole thing is- is open to the air every day for years. So the precipitation comes down and is caught in this plastic liner system. Um, that plastic liner system is a double liner system in a modern landfill. The problem is that, that those 85,000 chemicals I was talking about all end up in the leachate from that precipitation. So that leachate is nasty. And the other problem is that the leachate in inevitably escapes. Because if you build, you know, build this whole system with millions and millions of tons of waste, eventually there's going to be a leak in those liner systems, and there's no way to fix that. Um, it's underground, so it leaks into the groundwater, um, ends up getting into your drinking water eventually, and that's what happened in the town of Southbridge. It's in the Charlton drinking water, and we think it's in the Sturbridge drinking water. There are about 90 homes now that have a whole list of contaminants in their well water. Wow. Yeah. So, th and that's just the wa water. That's not even getting into the air. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, you mentioned uh, uh, part of the concern with a policy like this is that it hits kind of the poor communities the hardest because <laughs> they would be the most affected by an extra 40 or 50 cents every trip to the grocery store. Um, but you make a case that that's not necessarily true. Right. The other thing you've got to think about is that the poorest communities are also being hit by this waste system. Uh, six of the seven incinerators in Massachusetts are in environmental justice communities. And for that term, environmental justice means that the community is either an impoverished community, it's a community where folks don't speak English as a first language, and or it's a community where um, there are a lot of people of color. So, for instance, the Saugus Ash Landfill and Incinerator is in the town of Saugus. It's an environmental justice community. The, it's right in the middle, that incinerator is right in the middle of Saugus, but it's really close by to Revere and also Lynn, also environmental justice communities. So those folks, we burn this plastic, like the plastic bags. That's mostly what happens to these plastic bags. We burn this plastic. Anytime you're burning plastic, um, there's chloride involved, and what that means is we're going to produce dioxin. So um, incinerators also really, really dangerous. Um, they, they release toxins like VOCs, those volatile organic compounds I was talking about, heavy metals, dioxin, as I said, uh, sulfur dioxin, carbon monoxide, mercury, which is just really, you know, there's no safe levels of mercury, carbon dioxide, and ferrites. So and in anything that they manage to scrub out of the air, goes into the ash, and for every incinerator, you need an ash landfill. So all that stuff's in the ash landfill. 
So in Saugus, they happen to have the oldest incinerator in the country. There's one in Pennsylvania that was built about the same time. And I always joke, incinerators are not like wine. They do not get better, okay? (laughs) So yeah, just a minute. Yeah, so this incinerator was built in 1974. Um, The ash landfill was built on top of a municipal solid waste landfill, so all that trash in a marsh, in Rumney Marsh. So right now, the DEP just issued a provisional permit to expand this ash landfill it's entirely unlined. That plastic liner that I talked about that failed, they don't even have that double liner system there. They have nothing. It's just clay that happened to be in the marsh. And they don't do the groundwater monitoring around the system. They usually dig wells to see, oh, has, has this started leaking yet? They don't have any of those groundwater monitoring systems around this landfill. So this landfill is in one of the poorer parts of our of our state, um, one of the parts, you know, tens of thousands of people living within a couple miles of it and they're breathing in the incinerator ash in the air and also from the landfill being there so when i hear about impoverished people who are affected by the bags i want to solve that problem which i think we can with reusable bag programs and things like that but i also don't want the people who live near this ash landfill and incinerator in saugus lynn and revere or the one in haverhill or the one next to springfield or the one in millbury to be breathing this stuff anymore one of the other kind of common critiques or concerns that I hear with programs like this, uh, another kind of program that jumps to mind, I, I can't remember the town, but uh, essentially what they were going to do is go through and make sure that the trash that you put out, you weren't putting things you could recycle in the trash, and there was a small fine if you were doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's kind of this uh, dialogue about whether or not is that the role of government or is that kind of an overreach. Uh, do you think that the the big picture gains justify kind of micromanaging how we handle our trash well here's the thing um right now when when people people ask me a very similar question to this so let me let me see if i'm getting to what you're you're talking about um right now the waste companies are spending by waste companies i mean the incinerator and landfill companies are spending a great deal of money to keep the system the same like as soon as this plastic bag ban was discussed the plastic companies lost their minds right so that they spend a lot of money, lobbyists who are at the state house all the time. They spent twelve million dollars to stop the expansion of the bottle bill. They don't want change to be to I happen. Mean, I've right? seen some of these groups. They're like the plastic bag alliance or something. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, have yeah. These, like, they, they call of, themselves yeah. like mass recycle, right, right. and they're all waste companies on the board. Yeah. And they hire people full time to work on this stuff, right? Because right. there's so, a lot of money at stake. So, yeah, if it, we're talking about 60 bucks a ton for five and a half million tons a year, yeah. okay? Um, so you, you do not want that to go away if you're these waste companies, right? And these incinerators just don't shut down. This, this incinerator in August is 40 years old. So the problem is that we have these obstructionist organizations, sometimes, as you said, pretending to be nonprofits. Um, Casella Waste actually in, in New Hampshire started a community group. They didn't tell anyone it was a Casella Waste group, but it was a community group. Like they do stuff like that. Yeah. So you've got people with money doing that and that stops good changes from happening. I think that citizens, you know, once they learn about this, say, oh, we gotta do a better job of it, but there's a lot of misinformation out there. Like I think that most people listening to this program probably don't realize that a huge chunk of the state doesn't have access to recycling. Like most people in the eastern part of a state have curbside recycling, right? right? If you live in a multifamily in this state, you likely don't have access to recycling. 
Okay, most businesses don't necessarily have any recycling. So there's a huge chunk. I think 60% of a system is just out in the cold. So what's the holdup there? Because recycling's been around ever since I was a kid. We've yeah. kind of always had it. You know, every school had so, the recycling mm-hmm. bins and all that. Yeah, and we've made a lot of progress. And I think people are used to the idea. And DEP has done some surveys. And people like recycling. They want to do a good job with it. You know, they realize that they're they're decreasing their trash a lot. The holdup is that... If you live in a municipal, in a uh, multifamily business, right, I mean, a multifamily um, apartment complex, say, then your landlord has to put a system in to figure it out, right? And your landlord doesn't necessarily realize that they're going to have to um, renegotiate their contracts so that they're going to make savings there. They don't know how much they're spending necessarily, and they're going to have to do some education with their with their um, tenants to explain how the system's put in place. So. They don't have extra money to do that stuff, and they're being told that it's not necessary, right? So there's that. And we don't have a law that directly requires multifamilies to offer recycling. Um, And we don't have a law that directly requires mandated recycling across the state either. So the other thing that happens is that there are a lot of communities where um, maybe the multifamilies aren't serviced. There are a lot of communities where certain parts of town aren't serviced. Um, Or maybe the town doesn't have curbside at all. If you're in a more rural part of a state, it's more likely that you go to a MERF and drop off your recycling and, and, and you know, sort it that way um, or just drop off your trash. So if you don't have volunteers who work for the town to set it up the way that my mother did in Sturbridge and some of her friends, um, it's not going to happen, right? Most, most small towns are run by volunteers. If you happen to have someone who's into it, it's going to happen. If you don't, it's not. Yeah. We're talking with Kirstie Petchy. She's an attorney with the Conservation Law Foundation and founder of the Zero Waste Project. If you want to jump on board, 617-254-1030 is the number. 888-929-1030. We'll step away for a quick break. We'll be right back with more Upfront on WBZ News Radio 1030. Upfront with Chris Sidorek. Call 617-254-1030 or 888-929-1030 on WBZ News Radio 1030. Sunday. Made radio contact with him yet? Yes. The radio is good communication. Jumpstart your week. Sunday's my favorite day again. Add your voice to the mix. Any of you who'd like to give me your views and opinions? Now is the time to say it. It's our Sunday. News on the click and talk issues with Chris Sidorek. Get a jump start. The week's begun. Helm BZ. It's now up front. It's now up front. It's now up front. Up front with Chris Sidorek. WBZ News Radio 1030. You're listening to Upfront. I'm your host, Chris Sitterick. I'm also the executive producer of Nightside with Dan Ray. Dan is on uh, BZ here every Monday through Friday, 8 to midnight. He's got some great great guests coming up this week. Uh, tomorrow night, we'll have State Treasurer Deb Goldberg in studio. Uh, Tuesday night, bariatric surgeon Dr. Shakora. Uh, Wednesday night, the future of work and what's that going to look like as companies get more and more automated and, and the social contract that they have with their workers. Uh, Thursday night, Paul Gustafson, the hypnotherapist. And Friday night, Tim Cahill sits in for Dan. So great shows coming up all week on Nightside. Make sure you keep it locked here on BZ. Uh, we are talking this hour with Kirsty Petchy. She's an attorney with the Conservation Law Foundation and founder of the Zero Waste Project. Uh, Kirsty, you mentioned earlier uh, the, the pay-as-you-throw programs. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that and what that's all about. Well, when you're looking at your waste system, your solid waste system, because it's a cost and it exists right for all of us, you really should look at your res- you know, residentially, your household, what you're doing, your business, your municipality, and your state. You've got to think about this on a lot of different levels, right? And there may be one level where you can make a difference and one level where you can't, but that's where you've got to think about. And the best thing to do with, your- with solid waste is to reduce it. Anytime you reduce your solid waste, that's a savings. That's a huge savings. Um, many times when we put 
they're called smart programs, save money and reduce trash or pay as you throw programs in place, people change their habits almost instantly. They stop buying single use products. So they save money because they don't buy those single use products and they save money because they no longer are taking up room in their cart or their bag for this, you know, where many times the bags are a couple bucks for a bag. The cart is a, you know, higher price than the recycling cart. They make them smaller. Th that kind of a program where incentivizing um, recycling and reduction, that's how you save money is to that, that kind of reduction. It makes sense. Basically, money kind of motivates the consumer. Well, yeah. And I think also what it does many times, and I, I tell this, you know, many times um, I'll be at like, you know, my husband's work Christmas party or something, and someone will say, Oh my gosh, am I doing a good job? This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. The first thing you got to look at, whether you're a business or an individual or a community, wherever you are, what are you producing for waste, right? Like do a waste audit and say, what's in my waste every week? How many bags do I have? You know, if you're, if you're really uptight, you can weigh them. Like my boss went home and weighed them. Like you don't have to do that. Okay. You don't have to do that, but you can, if you want to, and then say, what is in the bag? What can I get out of this bag? Because everything that's in that bag and even things that are recyclable, um, recycling also takes resources. Recycling also has an impact on the environment. So the best thing you can do is if you can not use something by using a reusable mug, um, by reusing a reusing a reusable bag, um, anything that's a reusable product is going to be a little bit better, right? Yeah. And then the next, so this is called the the zero waste hierarchy. This is like oh, Kirsty Bible, like what I love, right? The zero <laughs> waste. Hierarchy. First thing you want to reduce. That's Anything you don't buy is free, right? right? So do that first. Then you want to reuse as much as possible, and we want our system to be set up to reuse as much as possible. And what I mean by that is we want to repair because that creates a lot of jobs and saves all those resources, all of those raw materials that have to be mined or cut down. Um, we don't have to use those. That saves us a lot in greenhouse gases. It saves us a lot in money. It saves us a lot in energy. So that's the next thing. Don't use something or reuse whenever you can. And then the next thing you want to do is recycle. Recycling also creates many, many more jobs. It's like five to ten times more jobs per 10,000 tons of municipal solid waste than incinerators do So, it, or in landfills. So landfills are even less jobs. So if you want to have a robust economy where we're not wasting things and we're not, and we're not um, spending a lot of money we don't have to spend and we have a lot of good jobs, you want to reuse and recycle as much as possible. And composting is the same thing composting um if, if you look at your waste and i don't know like i'm gonna have to come back in six months and like quiz chris on his waste but so right now chris like hey i, I drive a prius i'm good no no chris no chris see this is what everybody thinks like oh what you're driving your energy yeah those Reusing are using my cup all right, Come on, all right, all right, my all right. Part. he's got a plastic i'm not I gonna know. say what company I is know. cup in his hands no but so, i knew you were eyeing that no, i, I also have a lot of paper in front of me i do too listen 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 it's lisa's paper of stuff i wrote so that's it's okay exactly right. yeah so, and he's going to recycle that. But no, and, and this is the other thing. A lot of people feel like I can't be perfect, so I should just give up. And that is not the case. Right. You're going to use a plastic cup. You're going to forget your cup sometimes. You're going to have some practices or, you know, I end up buying turkey at the deli. I'm like, damn, it's in a plastic bag. That's annoying, right? right. You've got to do the best you can. And we have to put systems in place so my turkey isn't in a plastic bag anymore. Um, so don't beat yourself up. Just do the best you can every day. And it's the same with your business. I was talking to one of my interns, this guy named John Height, has been looking into these different problems. And one of the problems that I'm really fascinated by is cardboard recycling. Because the mass DEP and those inspections I talked about earlier, but they do at the landfills and incinerators, 85% of the loads that they're ticketing 
are filled with cardboard. Okay, cardboard is a money maker. Even the poor rates that we have right now for cardboard are still a hundred bucks a ton. You can sell cardboard for a hundred bucks a ton now, and it used to be like closer to two hundred bucks. So cardboard's a money maker when you're not not tipping. You know throwing it away for 60 bucks a ton and you're selling it for 108 I think it is bucks a ton that's 168 bucks that a business can save this uh this lady uh Joan Canzano she was working with a guy named Lou Tarantino from EOMS Recycling and he said that she's been recycling her cardboard at Blanchard's Liquors of, Bro- of Brockton I don't know these people so this isn't like a you know me pushing for their business I'm, I'm sure it's a very nice place but yeah. i don't know but the point and they're both paisans so maybe i'm a little bit maybe i'm a little bit uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a blanchard's right up the street yeah okay okay so 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 anyway and i love the name lou tarantino that's beautiful sure. but anyway so lou was telling my intern that this lady started recycling her cardboard with him in 95 and now he estimates that she saves 2300 dollars a year wow. just because she puts her cardboard out you know because this is her business now every business has a different waste that they've got to deal with cardboard is one where, that is particularly profitable to sell but you can find some way i bet within your home whether you start using cloth napkins um whether you whether you um just stop buying certain products and also if you can compost any bit time that you compost that's the heaviest thing in your waste at home definitely and it's the heaviest thing in massachusetts waste so when i look at this whole bag ban and look at what we need to do in our households and our businesses and at the state and in boston what i would love to see for instance for boston is that they have mandatory recycling for all businesses and they're already picking up multifamilies that they put a a really vigorous pay-as-you-throw or smart system save money and reduce trash system in place so that people know how much it's costing and they really because right now they're already paying as i said for 190,000 tons to go for 60 bucks a ton to three incinerators that's what residents are paying right now let's save at least half of that money it's millions of dollars let's save that so mandatory recycling, pay as you throw, and then the city of Boston has to start composting because that's where the big savings are. That is something like 30% of the waste. Seems like a workable plan. It, it, it'll save everybody money. The, uh, the world will be cleaner, and we'll all be healthier. <laughs> all so right. be back, back to the phones we go. Brian and Marblehead, you're up next. Welcome to the show. Brian, what's on your mind tonight? Chris, this is very strange. I, I work at Blanchard's in Revere. <laughs> nice. and, and I actually was already on hold when you guys started talking. Oh, well, you got a shout-out. There you go. You're going to make and it now, look like I'm totally biased now, and I don't even know these people. This is terrible. I know, and I've also destroyed my anonymity because I'm on the opposite side of the fence of most of my friends and colleagues, and I love everybody over there, but they need a lot of education. I'm not going to – number one, you scared me, Christy, because I live work near the – near the incinerator so i hope i'm not breathing too much of that stuff number two there's a great couple of great low-cost supermarkets that i love but if you stood there for 10 minutes and you hope you have you will be aghast at every shopping cart having 20 plastic bags one for the milk one for the juice one for the veggies and I don't know. What did you call them? Environmentally challenged zones or whatever. Those- <laughs> oh, env- oh, environmental justice zones. Yeah. 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 Well, there's no environmental justice there because I don't think those people quite know how much damage they're doing. They just stand in line and let the cashier put 20 bags in their shopping cart. And yeah. And that's part of what you talked yeah. about is some yeah, of these communities aren't even primarily English speaking. So education. And, yeah. I have a list of things. I'll try to be quick. Education is big on my list because it drives me crazy because I 
And here's another trick for everybody to learn. Bring, get a couple of reusable bags because you'll always forget one. So I keep a couple in the trunk or in the back seat so that when I don't have it, when I left it up by the refrigerator, when I brought the groceries up, I have one in the car already. Yep, I do that too. With just one, you got to have two, three, four if you're forgetful like me. And put one in your purse too. They have the fold up (laughs) ones. I don't know that Brian carries a purse. Hey, listen, (laughs) I'm just saying, I'm I'm saying for the listeners in general, not Brian, but they have fold up ones that that zip up and you can put them right in your pocketbook too. down it's yep. easy to reuse a bag and i don't think people realize i've known for years about the pellets the ocean the thing in the size of texas of plastic swirling around in the ocean and everybody looks at me at work like i'm crazy <laughs> no, i'm glad they, you brought that up and yeah. they wait and and i'm sorry to say they waste they think nothing they re get a bag of four plastic forks i kid them i say i got the same plastic fork since i saw the beetle <laughs> and, and, but i keep it until it breaks if i even use one so education is huge yeah, and I think yep. that's what the government really needs to do, especially in these challenged zones, whatever you call them. So, yeah, Brian, thank you so much for the call, and you got your Blanche's plug in too as well. Yeah, so good night. That was really a weird coincidence. <laughs> All right, <laughs> have a great night. Thanks thank for listening, you. man. Appreciate it. Uh, Kirsty Petchy, thank you so much for joining us in studio. Really appreciate it. It's the Zero Waste Project. Feel free to look that up. It's easy to, to track down online uh, through the Conservation Law Foundation. Uh, we are going to step away here for the 11 o'clock news, and when we come back, it'll be open lines. Any news or politics stories from the last week, Sarah in Alston is going to lead us off, and you can be on board as well. Call in up front, WBZ. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway, and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.